You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Thanks for pressing play on this episode, episode number 75. I took some time off, as you know, when my daughter was born, and now I'm here. I'm back. And I want to say thank you. I just checked the stats and people are still listening to the show, even though it's been some time since I posted. So I want to say thank you for continuing to press play. Now, I would like to continue to post new episodes for you, but I want your help. I need your help. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you want to learn about. What topics do you want covered? Let me know what guest you would like to have on the show. And so write me an email at behind the note podcast at gmail.com. This episode was inspired by Sifundo. Sifundo wrote me an email and he asked me to tell my story. He said, I'm interested to learn your story. I want to be a professional trumpet player. I asked for a little clarity and I found out that Sifundo is 19 years old and he has seven years of playing under his belt right now. He said he was playing classical music at church and he's still new to jazz music. And that's all I know. So I was trying to find out more details, uh, more specifically what he wanted to learn. But that's all I know. So with that little bit of information, I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit about my experiences. Now, I've been playing trumpet for 30 years, so I can't really talk about everything. But I I listed seven things here. So I'm going to talk about seven things that might help you to become a better trumpet player or really a better musician, not only specific to being a trumpet player. For me, everything began with a great musical education. I began in the public school system. And though I didn't know it at the time, as an adult, I did some reflection And I realized that I was really a part of some great musical programs since the beginning. Um, Let's see, I started with um, two great teachers. They were two great band teachers. They shared the responsibilities over the entire district, which was approximately uh, eight schools, eight or nine schools, somewhere in there. And um, they taught me how to play. They gave me the, the foundation. And I won't tell you my entire journey but I had a great high school experience as well I had a great college experience as well and I was very fortunate I guess just to be at the right place at the right time so if if that's not your situation that's okay all you have to do is find some good teachers that's that's the first thing that I really had the benefit of is I had great teachers from the beginning I had a few private teachers and my first private teacher, I think I started around the age of 12 and that didn't last long. I think I don't know for sure, but I think that had to do uh, with with the finances of my parents. But I'm not so sure about that. I don't know. But here's another great thing about my my musical education from the beginning. Once I reached seventh grade, I was performing at least two weekends a month, if not four weekends a month. So I was performing a lot since the beginning. Well, 
I after after about three years in, I started really performing in the band program. And when I got to high school, that continued. And when I got to college, that really picked up. So I was performing a lot. And there are some lessons that can only be taught through performing. I have a saying, which is practice can take you so far and performance will take you the rest of the way. So you can practice three hours a day, four hours a day. Some people really get into six, seven, eight hours a day of practice. And that can still only take you so far. You have to perform. All right. So that's the first part of my experience. I had a great musical education. Uh, Secondly, after college, I went to cruise ships. And that was a wonderful experience. And what that allowed me to do, first of all, I got paid to perform as a trumpet player. And that was a great thing because that was an introduction, even though it was kind of isolated, but it was something of an introduction to what life could be like as a musician. Every night I had a concert to play and each night was a little different. Now we we did the same shows from week to week, but over the course of one week, we would have a big band jazz performance, um, maybe one or two of those a week. We would have to do Las Vegas style productions um, maybe twice a week or more. And then we also had uh, like a Saturday night live or think tonight show type of performance where you would have to play a guest onto the stage, play them off of the stage. It was a really like short musical burst. And then you would entertain the people in between. Um, what else did we do? It was it was mainly those kind of jobs. Uh, it was a lot of sight reading involved, uh, at, at least in the beginning. Then you start doing the same shows. Uh, and, and here's a quick side note. I remember after the end of my first week on the cruise ship, I went to uh, visit my musical director. I forgot what for. But as I was about to leave, he said, oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm so glad I didn't have to fire you. And I just started busting up laughing. I couldn't help myself. It came from within, deep in my belly. And and he didn't crack a smile. He was just looking at me. And then I got silent, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm serious. I looked at my roster, and I saw that you had no cruise ship experience. And normally I have to fire those guys at the end of the first week. And I thought, wow, well, I'm glad you didn't have to fire me. And he went on to tell me that I was a good reader. A lot of people have a hard time sight reading the music. And so I have another side story. I tend to go on side stories. But I I, I was a good reader. I am a good sight reader. And that's, that's due to two experiences that I had. Uh, the first was in high school. I auditioned for the all-state band, which first you had to make district. So I I auditioned for the district band. And, you know, you have to prepare this music to pass the audition. You have to prepare scales and perform them well to pass the audition. But there's also a sight-reading portion of the audition. And I failed that part of the audition. I really had a hard time with syncopation. So I I didn't make the band. And, you know, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of preparation not to make the band. So I kind of took it hard, but then I got right to work. 
And over the next year, I worked on my sight reading. I worked on syncopation specifically. And after that, I made the band. Uh, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, I made the band. And that was like a, a hack. That was like something that at the time, students my age really, they weren't working that out. And so I found myself in some really good bands where maybe there were better improvisers than I than me. As a matter of fact, I know that to be true. That's that's a total fact. But I was able to make those bands because I put time in to learn how to sight read. So that was one experience that helped me. Uh, secondly, I was a part of a college band where my teacher kept over 100 songs in the book. You know, it was always north of 100 tunes in the book. <laughs> and I remember um, every year he would call something hard that we rarely ever practiced, if at all, or performed. And then we were really <laughs> we were really slick at it. <laughs> and then he would chew us out for not having it prepared. And he would say something along the lines of, I know that we don't perform this often, but it's in the book and you should know it and you should be prepared to play it. So I caught, I caught on fairly quickly. It took me like two times and then I realized, oh, he did this last year. So let me get let me get this ready. So I read everything in the book in the practice room privately by myself. And um, that just kept my reading up and I got fairly good at it. And then there were a lot of tunes that he would put in the book that we would, um, you know, we, we just had to keep our sight reading skills up. We might get something at the last moment and perform it. And so that just kept us ready. And I had a different teacher in college who would literally pass out the music on stage in front of a live audience. And I didn't like that too much. I was highly uncomfortable with with the silence, you know, while we were while the teacher was passing out music, trying to reinforce how important it is to sight read. <laughs> but anyway, um, all that to say that re reading became a strong part of my uh, of my playing. So the cruise ship was a great experience for me after college because I pra I play I performed every day. That's one reason. Uh, my job was to show band musician. I told you what we used to do. But after that was over, we finished every night about 10 p.m. I would go to uh, whatever floor it was, a different floor, and play with the jazz trio. And I played on a few different ships, but all of them had a jazz trio. A trio, piano, bass, and drums. So guess what they didn't have? And it was a trumpet player. So in every case, they were cool with me playing. And they welcomed it because they played the same job each and every night. And a lot of those guys were on the ship for like months at a time. I got on the ship and a lot of those guys were there for like 11 months, 14 months. I was like, wow, without going home. So me coming up was a nice, a nice change of pace for them. Added some variety to the music. So I got to learn how to play that way. And so my entire ship experience, I look at as the time period where the lessons I learned from college were able to be applied. I think for me, college was a time where I was just gathering information. And I tried to apply it, but I don't think I did a good job. And it became a frustrating thing. 
So after I graduated and I was on this cruise ship, I was able to apply these lessons. And I, I remember an epiphany that I had almost immediately the first couple of days of being on the ship. I realized, first of all, that most people don't take this music as seriously as I do. And that was because my environment, the environment that I was in, we all took it very seriously. That's that's how our teachers taught us was to take the music seriously. Um, you know, and my my teacher was Professor Ron Carter, um, not the bass player. I always have to tell people he's not the bass player, but he's a probably one of the world's best educators in um, the in the realm of music. But he had he has really good friends in music and he would bring people to school to put work with us on a regular basis people like Benny Golson, Curtis Fuller, um Terrell Stafford, Winton Marcellus. I got to work with Winton Marcellus when I was in college. Um the list goes on and on. Um and so all of those guys first of all were living legends of the music. They pioneered the art form. And almost in every instance, I noticed how serious they all were about the music. But because they were serious, they were able to have fun. And so that's one of the lessons that stuck with me. So that's number two. That was a long story about number two. All right. So now I'm going to move on to the third part of my experience. And this is not really in order. This is just me jotting down some ideas about my experiences and I want to talk about my experiences as a band leader. So um, after the ship, I started teaching high school and I quickly realized that my chops were going south just because I was spending so much time in the classroom trying to be a good teacher. Um, I wasn't spending as much time on the trumpet as I was. And Maybe you don't know this. Maybe you do if you're a brass player. But when you don't play, it doesn't take any time for you to lose what you worked out. So it it never leave your mind and it never leave your soul. But physically, it goes very fast. I decided after my first year of teaching, I'm going to start my own band. I need to keep my chops up. And I had some other things that I wanted to work toward. So I decided to start a band. And this is what I learned as a band leader. First of all, it's very time consuming, um, especially in the beginning. There's there's a lot that needs to be established. Like, what are you gonna perform? What's your set gonna be? What's your, what's your what, are you pre- what are you presenting to the people? That needs to be established and that needs to be tweaked over time. And the only way to tweak it, the only way to establish it is to perform it. So it's a constant, um, adjustment of of the set. For me personally, I learned from experience that people today really aren't that into jazz music. Uh, there are some people out there, but overall, a lot of people really aren't interested in hearing jazz music. And I remember writing some original music just because I wanted to write something. And when I performed it to the people, they were always into the original music. So I realized, man, these people are really making a connection from my soul to theirs when they hear what I write that comes from me. And then, of course, I'm performing it. So I went 
further in that direction. Um, there's a great lesson there for you to be yourself. Uh, secondly, uh, something else I learned about being a band leader, in my opinion, uh, being a band leader, at least in the beginning stages, it's not for married people. I, I believe that's something that a young person should do or something that a single person should do because it demands so much of your time and your thought and you have to really be all in on that it's it's very challenging i won't say impossible but it's it's challenging to give everything you need to give for the music to be successful for the band to be successful and for your marriage to be successful so i i see a lot of people get divorced unfortunately a lot of musicians get divorced because they don't figure out how to balance that out and for some reason that I don't understand, people tend to pick their music over their wives. <laughs> and that's backwards to me. So if you know you want to be a band leader and you're young, I would my advice would be to figure all that out while you're single. Um, I think that you could probably, once the band is established, it's probably going to be a little easier to have a relationship. But I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, both take commitment and both take a lifetime to refine. So those are my lessons from from uh, being a band leader. Now I want to talk about an, another pro of being a band leader. When I started as a band leader, one of the great things that I discovered was that my name was advertised a lot more. My name was on the radio regularly. And my name was in print on the Internet a lot, a lot. So as a result, people got to know me more or at least they felt like they know me more. Right. And so I would get more invitations to perform. And of course, that feeds a cycle of more performances and you meet more people and you can refine your skill. So that's great. And from that, uh, I'm still doing some great things today from starting a band over a decade ago. And today I don't perform as much as a band leader, uh, mainly because people are, I'm, I'm getting enough work as a side man. And so I guess the lesson here is, however you choose to do it, make sure that your name is, is constantly in people's ears, constantly in front of their eyes. All right. I can go on about that, but I'm going to move on. I want to talk about number four, the time I got fired. Now, I go a little bit more into depth about the time I got fired on Behind the Note podcast. I don't know right offhand what episode number that is, but look for it in the description of this episode and I'll link to it there. You can uh, fi find it. Matter of fact, I believe the title is The Time I Got Fired. So uh, let's see if I can give the abbreviated version of this story. I was hired to perform a concert, a Motown review concert, and uh, they also wanted me to write horn parts for this same concert. And I'll sum everything up. Like I said, I told the story in a different episode, but I'll sum everything up to say I got fired right before the show, like a, a day or two before the show. And uh, I had to tell my team like we're not doing the show it was it was a very horrible experience 
And all of this was the result of dealing with unprofessionalism. I was dealing with people who were not professional and I was trying to help them. I was helping them. But in the end, they did not understand the value of my help. So I learned a lot from that experience, mainly how to identify what I call red flags. And the signs were there from the beginning. And they just kept adding up over the course of my experience. And I was ignoring them. Uh, Since that happened to me, I don't ignore them anymore. And I've learned how to identify them mainly from the first phone call or email. And I can avoid them altogether today. Um, Yeah, so... That's about the time I got fired. I'm just going to refer you to the episode that I already posted here on the podcast. All right. Well, I'll give you one tip here, though. Uh, One thing that you should always do whenever possible is to get all of the information or as much as you can. Sometimes it's not possible, but get as much information at the beginning of any job. And that'll make your life a lot easier. All right. Tip number five based on my experience, is to remain a student of your profession. So, of course, we're talking about musicianship here, but this really does apply to whatever you choose to do as a profession. I know everybody who listens to this podcast is not a musician. So you must remain a student of your profession. This allows you to grow. This allows you to become better at what you do, just simply put. So... As musicians, of course, we listen to music and we always analyze, oh, this is how they resolved this tension. This is how they resolved to this chord. We listen for things like that. And excuse me, I'm distracted by my computer here. I went to screensaver mode and totally took me out of my thoughts. So we, we stay students of the music. We listen to how people resolve certain um harmonic patterns for example or we'll go to a live concert and we'll watch how someone carries themselves i know i watch winter marsalis like that i learned so much from him over the last 20 something years oh my goodness Uh, so we just stay students of the music we read magazines so that we can learn more about people we listen to interviews like you guys do here on behind the note podcast so remain a student of the music all right or whatever profession you're you you are going to pursue. Uh, the sixth thing I want to share is that you also must remain a student of life. Now you'll find that this directly influences uh, your music, your presentation of your music. Your practice schedule will ebb and flow over the course of your life. And what I noticed is there was a period of my life where I just I just couldn't practice as much as I once did. However, my playing significantly improved. And I was reflecting on that. Why? Why and how is that even possible? Well, when you get married, your life is changed forever. When you have a child, your life is changed forever. If someone close to you dies, your life is changed forever. You might have an experience with a total stranger that will change your life forever. So this changes you in your soul. And if your soul is changed, your music is changed. For the better, I believe. 
even if what we think are bad things happen to us, you know, there can be good that comes from that. So I say remain a student of life. Surround yourself with people older than you and people younger than you. Someone taught me that you should always be reaching up and reaching down and reaching out. You know, you, so if you have someone above you who's older than you that can share with you wisdom and you pass it on to someone who's younger than you are. And then at the same time, you have your peers and you guys make each other sharp. Right. So these are really great, great lessons. And so uh, I was going to say remain a student of life. Uh, things bad things happen like you might not always have money. Right. So you have to learn how to earn money. And even in those trials, what I've learned is you'll always land on your feet if you continue to press forward. And as this happens, just keep your antennas up. Stay aware and learn the lessons you need to learn so that you don't have to go through the same trials again. Because you, if you don't learn and correct, you're just going to stay in that same place. And that's a waste of your life. So you don't want to do that. So don't give up. Don't give up, especially if you put a lot of time in. Don't give up and learn from your mistakes. Keep pressing forward. All right. And finally, the seventh point is that I think you should know that every public performance is an audition. Every public performance is an audition, no matter how casual. And so really quick, I want to define a public performance. A public performance is anytime you are not alone in your practice room. So anything, any anytime when you're not alone in your practice room, that's a public performance. Now, if you're in college, I remember in college, we were, um, you know, we were in college. So we had practice rooms. There was a dedicated floor, two floors of practice rooms. So, you know, I would actually say that's, Based on my definition, that's a performance because you see pe- you see people. Oh, man, Jennifer's always here eight o'clock every day practicing her flute every day. She never misses. So that's a performance, not to Jennifer, I guess, but it is based on my definition. And let me explain why. Why I say every public performance is an audition is because when you. Uh, step out of the privacy of your home. You are seen by every by people. And this is your reputation. And when someone sees you, there's a perception received and they did. They begin to make decisions about about you. They decide if you're dependable. They decide if you are uh, presentable, you know, what you choose to wear. They make decisions about this one way or the other, for, for better or worse, whether they should or whether they shouldn't. These are things that are happening. And so when you play a note, it connects with them or it doesn't. And I'm not saying that you should try to impress people with everything you do. But I, I do think it's important to be aware that every public performance is an audition. And I was talking to... Chris Bodie on the on this podcast so you can go back and listen to this and he was saying how important it is for the other musicians that you work with that they like you because those are the people who will recommend you for a job 
Now, a lot of people will have you believe, hey, why don't you come play my party? I'll pay you with the meal. I'm not going to pay you with money, but I'll pay you with the meal. It'd be great exposure for you. That stuff rarely ever, 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 ever works out that way. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it hardly ever works out that way. You would have to uh, be doing this for someone who's already well-known and well-established and probably not for someone's uncle's birthday party. You know, that's just from the neighborhood. Um, unless your neighbor lives on Oprah Winfrey's block or something, you know. Anyway, I lost my train of thought there. But every every public performance is an audition. So when you when you show up to work on time and when you execute your role at a high level, that's a great memory and a great experience for those who worked with you. That puts them more at ease to recommend you for something else in the future. And this is how I've made my living personally. People call me, I believe, because I prepare as much as possible ahead of time. And whenever it's in my power, I come to work prepared. Now, with that said, there's always a level of improvisation. There's always a level of unknown. You deal with that as it comes. But what I've learned is as you... Uh, prepare as you do your fundamentals if we're talking about music or if you just have some basic um, good manners in place of how to how to talk to people you know you can get pretty far so that's what I want to leave you with today I mean we could talk about a lot more here and if you do want to talk about more let me know exactly what you want to talk about write me an email at behind the note podcast at gmail.com and real quick, I want to recap. So today we talked about uh, my experiences as a musician, but I'm trying to give some advice to this 19-year-old, uh, Sifundo. And so I said, for me, it started with a great musical education. And for me, I had many public performances. That was a great foundation for me to learn, begin to learn from. Secondly, I had a cruise ship experience, which, which was really an extension of public performance. I did it every night. And third, oh, I left something out important about the ship, though. I should have led with this. Before I got to the ship, I had a very specific thing I wanted to accomplish while I was there, which was to improve my musicianship. That was, that was I had two other ones. Another goal was to improve my body. So I exercised daily. I ate better and I wanted to improve my spiritual life as well. And I was successful in all three of those things because before I arrived to the ship, I had those goals in place and I kept those goals in front of me, worked on them daily. All right. The third point for me, based on my experiences, was that I became a band leader and this helped to keep my name in the ears and eyes of the public. And uh, that led to other great opportunities. So that was very, well, at first it wasn't strategic, but now I know how to do those things strategically to keep my, my name in the ears and the eyes of the people. All right. Number four, uh, I learned a lot of lessons from the time I got fired. Listen to that episode right here on Behind the Note podcast. But really, you want to learn how to identify what I call red flags. 
And you need to have your personal standards in place and predetermine before the time comes what you're willing to work with and what you're not willing to work with. All right. Because there's no real perfect job out there, but you know how you can serve people best. Right. All right. Number five, you must remain a student of your profession. And number six, you must remain a student of life. And finally, I want you to know that every public performance is an audition and the public performance, again, is anything that takes place that is not in your private home. So make sure that you stay practicing so that you can give good public performances. Even if you meet with someone and say, hey, let's play some duets. It's casual, but it's a public performance. All right. All right. So that's all for today. Thanks for pressing play on this episode. I'm going to share with you in the next episode some great lessons that I've learned from being a YouTube creator. Being a YouTube creator has significantly helped my business. And I'm going to talk with you about that in the next episode. I'll see you there. God bless.